Welcome to our weekly Church on the Rock podcast. For more information, visit us at churchak.org, download our Church on the Rock AK app, or like us on our Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy our weekly podcast. So we're looking at the prayer of Jabez beginning this series today, and again, I want to marry it with fasting to help us bring some real... uh, the force of heaven into our life at a whole nother dimension, hopefully. Uh, <clears throat> so this is what we're doing for this uh, month. And um, I really want to encourage you to enter into it uh, as much as you can uh, and uh, trust the Lord to do something really transformative, not only in your own life personally, but in your world where you live. First Chronicles chapter 4 is what we're going to be looking at today. And uh, there was a book written several years ago, The Prayer of Jabez. It's, I believe it was a number one bestseller. I read it years ago. I barely remember what was in it now, but um, uh, it was very popular. Uh, but the first thing I think we need to understand here this morning is The Prayer of Jabez is not a magical formula, okay? Uh, it's all about relationship. It's all about calling upon the Lord. It's all about... A, a, a segment of truth in the Bible, which the Bible's full of truth, which is written for you and I, whatever is in it. It's written for you and I. And uh, what God is communicating through his word is something we should pay close attention to, whatever it is. And you may have actually prayed, prayed this prayer or parts of this prayer that we're going to be talking about without even knowing it. And God has answered. You uh, what. <clears throat> what I believe it's communicated through God's truth comes to us in a lot of different ways, but a lot of us maybe have prayed, again, prayed parts of this. Uh, you've asked God to bless you. You've asked God to uh, enlarge his purpose in your life, enlarge your ability, influence in different ways, uh, to increase you for his kingdom's sake, and he's done that. So this isn't a magical formula, but this is calling a call to uh, relationship with him to trust the Lord. Every one of us need to learn to trust the Lord. Do you know sometimes for some of us, it's hard to trust the Lord. It takes humility to trust the Lord. It takes humility to admit that I can't do this, and if I don't have God's blessings, I'm in trouble. Well, I want to read this. Let's begin, uh, and we'll put it up here, First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. It says, Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, and that your hand would be with me, and that you would keep me from evil, that I I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. I love that last part. He granted it. God does answer prayer. One way or another, he always answers prayer. Let me give you a little background on where we're going here this morning, because uh, this is really important. I want you to hang with me on this, because we're going to address a genealogy which for some of us is like raking a yard, right? No, that's more than that. Because this book uh, is, begins with, in chapter 1 with a genealogy. And uh, it's the genealogy of the tribe of Judah. Starts actually with chapter 1, verse 1. And it begins with Adam. And it goes all the way through chapter 9. And uh, this is the longest genealogy in the Bible. There are nine chapters 500 names. That's a lot to read through. And it starts with Adam and it goes through David and his grandchildren, actually. 
And God, uh, in the midst of it, you see Israel in there, which was Jacob, but God changed Jacob's name to Israel. Why did he do that? Because a lot of times your name is in your destiny, and God is in the change in destinies right from the start. You believe that? That's right. That's what he does. And so he talks about the genealogy of the 12 tribes of Israel, which was the 12 tribes listed. The lineage of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and on down. And it covers from Adam to David. Now, Adam was created 4,000 B.C., 4,000 years before Christ. Noah shows up 1,500 years later in chapter 6 of Genesis. Noah was born in 2,500 B.C. Now, there's 1,500 years between Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 6. That's a lot, isn't it? Six chapters, 1,500 years. Now, uh, they lived long back then. Methuselah lived 969 years. That's, that's more than I want to live. <laughs> but uh, from Noah to Abraham then, Noah was at 2,500 years. Abraham, 500 years later, 2,000 years B.C., Abraham shows up. <clears throat> Moses, 500 years later, was at 1,500 B.C. And then David, 500 years later, shows up. He's at 1,000 B.C., thousand years before Christ, all right? Um, now remember, this is a genealogy from Adam to David's grandchildren. Adam, 4,000 years before Christ. David, 1,000 years before Christ. I don't want to lose you here. hope you're hanging with me, but we're spanning 3,000 years in this genealogy. 3,000 years. And from chapter 1 to chapter 9. Then here in Chapter 4, which we're at today, verse 9, you have this statement, now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. All right, and we got to stop right there for a moment. Ezra, Ezra wrote the book of Chronicles, and Ezra's doing a 3,000-year genealogy, and all of a sudden, right in the middle of the genealogy, he says, hey, wait a minute, we need to stop for a minute. There's somebody I need to draw attention to. There's somebody we need to talk about here. There's someone who is more honorable now, how many know it's good to be honorable? But this guy was more honorable. That's pretty good. He says, I want to tell you about somebody who was even more honorable. Now, in this genealogy, you've got Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Solomon and David. These are some pretty big hitters, wouldn't you say? Who's this Jabez guy? All of a sudden, he shows up and... He's, he's, the, he's the nobody coming out of the shadows. And Ezra says, hey, by the way, in the midst of all these big hitters, there's somebody you guys need to hear about. Really important. He's worth stopping for because what he did, oh, caught heaven's attention. He called on God. He prayed. He was so bold as to ask God to bless him and enlarge his territory, his borders, for God's hand to rest upon him and to be blessed beyond measure. He says, need to take note of this because I believe this is something God wants his people to know about. The practice that his people must follow in, to call upon God, to pray, to not shy away, but to boldly, boldly, boldly come before his throne, unashamedly, and seek his face for blessing. We need that. It's pretty amazing. Now, there's only two verses in the Bible on Jabez. There is another verse, but it mentions the city of Jabez, and a lot of theologians believe that he was so blessed that they named the city after him. 
Now, uh, this is basically the prayer again. He, he comes and calls on the God of Israel. And he says that you, you would bless me, that you expand my territory, my borders. Your capacity in me would be enlarged somehow. Oh, that you would bless me in such a way and that, and that you uh, would be pleased with me in all that I do. In other words, your hands would rest upon me and keep me, right? And keep me from trouble and pain that I would not cause trouble and pain. And God granted that. Ezra says, so God granted him what he requested. Boy, that's so encouraging. Now, Jabez, it says, means pain and sorrow. That's the way it started. And your name is your destiny, in most cases. His mother gave him the name of sorrow and his destiny of pain. But I think something about Jabez rose up within him and said, hey, you know what? That may be my name, but God can change my destiny. And I'm going to call upon him so that he'll begin to change the course of my destiny with his blessing. There's another place in the Bible where Rachel named her son Benjamin. Well, she bore Benjamin, named him uh, sorrow of my, uh, son of my sorrow because, of course, she gave birth to him when she was dying. But his father came along and changed his name to Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. And so Jabez starts out sorrow, but he says, no, something must change in this, in this uh, journey he's in. And what we need to understand, and what's so amazing about the prayer of Jabez is, is God does change destinies. You know, the moment you come to Christ to give your heart to him, you're a new creation. He does something supernatural in your heart, and it works its way out. And things begin to change. And I don't care what you have come out of, what past you have labored under. We can, label, we can examine our lives and feel like, well, I'm just, my name in a sense, I just, I just label myself stupid or uncoordinated or slow or dysfunctional or poverty stricken or whatever it may be. But my friends, you're a child of God. And he says, you need to rise up and claim your destiny in God. Change can be for you as well doesn't have to stay the same. You don't have to be ruled and dictated and by your past and anything that's happened. That can all change. And God wants to accomplish his greatness in you. He wants to enlarge his ability in your life, your borders and blessing upon your life. Let me tell you what, when I stepped, when I stepped in, into full-time vocational ministry, I, I really believed that if God did not bless me... <laughs> And I would not be able to accomplish what he wanted me to accomplish. I was pretty intimidated by the assignment. I, 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 uh, I went through a major career change. What I used to do was a lot different than what I'm doing now. I'll tell you what, God changed my destiny. He changed it. And he could change yours. And he's happy to do it. And he wants you to partner with him in this journey. Here he says he granted him that prayer. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. I like that. Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Now, first of all, uh, he's asking God to bless him. Some of us believe God will bless us. Some of us are like, well, I don't know. I mean, come on. There's so many things going on in this earth. Why is he concerned about me? Yeah, and that becomes really, we become small-minded when you think that way about God. Um. We think, well, if it's his will, if God has time in his schedule, maybe I'll 
get a little splash of blessing on my life, you know. Or maybe you feel like, ah, oh, I've been blessed already. Why would God bless me anymore? i kind of selfish, you know. I don't know if I'm going to do that. I feel a little guilty almost, you know. Or, or uh, uh, maybe you're in one of those places where you don't really feel worthy and you think, well, you know, he'll bless you or he'll bless that person over there because, you know, they're gifted and they got all this, and, you know, they just got a good life. And me, well, I'm just kind of disqualified in a sense. I'm shelved a little bit over here. And, you know, you ever have those internal arguments? Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. If it, it's a catch-22. It's like the devil accuses us and says, you know, you're not worthy. You shouldn't ask God to bless you. That's so selfish. But then J- James 4.2 says, yet you do not have because you do not ask. Oh. Yeah, there is that verse. Outside of the prayer of Jabez, who boldly asked, and all attention is drawn to him for a reason. We have to get over this feeling that maybe you grew up with, it's, it's wrong to ask for God's blessing, because it's not. It's not a selfish prayer. Matter of fact, it's a very unselfish prayer. It's a God prayer. It's a God assignment over our life. Satan would try to give you a million reasons why like you're not worthy, like you don't read your Bible enough, you don't pray enough, you got this sin in your life, you got too many mistakes over here, you just not, you got to get it together first before you approach God with that kind of request, come on! You ever feel that way? And you got these internal arguments just going on, and, and you got to overcome all this stuff, then you'll be in that place, you know. I mean, come on, it's selfish, you should be praying for Africa. You ever heard that argument? Mm-hmm. He'll tell you everything to get you not to pray. But God's will and his desire is to bless you. You, God is good. And God, he is our father as sons and daughters. He calls us to that place to depend on him. You need God's blessing. You can't live this life without his hand on your life. You need him to do stuff in your life. We are dependent upon him. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It is a scriptural call for his children to trust in Father God for the best, for everything that he has for us. I just can't emphasize that enough. He's simply waiting for you to ask. And he has chosen prayer as the vehicle for this blessing to travel to your life happens when you humble yourself and call upon him. This prayer of Jabez, actually in the book, there's a story written there that, uh, about a man who gets to heaven and he finds out all these blessings that God really wanted to give him, but he never asked. Boy, wouldn't that be a disappointment? You mean I could have had that and that and that? God says, well, I was just waiting for you to ask. All we got to do is ask. Now, God over and over in his word, and I could give you a gazillion verses on why we ask and asking in prayer and petition and supplication, all that stuff. I could go on and on. Let me just give you one that Jesus said. Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For he who asks receives. He who seeks will find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And that actually means in the Greek, keep on asking, keep on seeking, Keep on knocking. Means that's what we're called. Jesus said that. He calls us to that place. He says, oh, you better go to that place. By the way, there's a difference between asking and seeking. I don't know if you knew that or not. The difference is between man and woman. 
and the way they drive. A woman will ask, a man will seek. <laughs> you know, before we had the app on our phone to talk to us, go here, turn here, and we didn't have that when I was, when Lori and I were younger. And a man's just not going to ask for directions, generally. Uh, I remember times when Lori would strongly urge me, you know, maybe you should ask somebody to get some directions. And I just dig in my heels. I wouldn't do it because I, you know, I got this, right? <laughs> the reason why I'm not going to ask is because I hate to admit that I'm lost, <laughs> right? I don't know where I am. I'm not going to say that. Man, just don't want to do that. Come on. We got it together, right? We got this. You know, we're in control. We got the steering wheel. Don't tell me where to go. We just drive in circles, you know? <laughs> you know, basically pride keeps us from asking. So pride keeps us from asking God to bless us. You, you may have heard this, I don't know, but uh, prayer is actually the opposite of pride. Prayer is humbling yourself and realizing, God, I need your blessing. I have to have what you have. I need more of you because I am so limited in my capacity. But I want you to enlarge your capacity in my life, as that prayer says, basically. Can't make it on my own. Can't do it without God. Are you okay with admitting that? Your need for God? God doesn't bless me. I'm in trouble. What does blessing mean? Maybe I should give you a definition of that. I, I found a good one. Here's a pretty good one. To be set apart for success, happiness, and prosperity. That's pretty good, huh? Don't you want to be set apart for success, happiness, and prosperity? Don't you want to be set apart for a divine enablement for success? Absolutely! Does God want that for his children? Yes! Does God want his children to shine? Absolutely! Does he want his children to have great influence? Absolutely! In every way, he can't wait to give us more. It's set apart by God. Sanctified, dedicated, consecrated to be a part of success and happiness, divine enablement. It happens when God's blessings on you. An enablement, an enabling for success. Not just talking about financial things, talking about marriage, talking about relationships, talking about your job, your career, talking about being mother, father, sister, brother, all those aspects of life God wants to enlarge and bless and enable you and his ability in and through you to do it well. Oh, that you would bless me. You know what that means in today's language? It says, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Today's language, that means this. It means that you would bless me a whole lot. <laughs> that you would bless me abundantly. Oh God, that you would give me everything that you got in abundance. That's what I want. Now as we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fast, it's so important uh, that we marry this because it's prayer and fasting. It's not a hunger strike. It's not a diet. It's eliminating the clutter in our life so I can tune in and hear God's voice, draw near to him, bore into what is really important to even purify my ask, my asking. And what he wants to do in my life in the days ahead as I begin to pray, as I begin to call upon him and believe him to enlarge his capacity and his borders in my life, I want his hand upon me. Lord, how is that going to look? What Lord, define that for me in this time. And we need to hear God. We need to get rid of the stuff that clutters that. You know, John and Charles Wesley, they were revivalists, and they would fast two days a week. And uh, they would each day eat after 5 p.m. But many joined them in this movement. And I'll tell you what, as a result, revival swept India. I mean, England. So it just fire, fire, just powerful. There's a long quote, I don't have time to read, about John and Wesley, about the power of fasting, but how they said, don't attribute it, what God does, to 
in a sense. He said, uh, I'll just read part of it. Um, the believer, uh, we, we must work to the, tend- the tendency of believers and Christians is that we, gotta, we have to work to earn the things from God. That even he who, uh, us who have been redeemed, born again, begin to obey with fasting, that we need to empty ourselves to think that our fasting is going to cause God to do something. Fasting is not about religious activity of works and earning things. You know, I've been fasting, God. So you got your arm, you got God's arm behind his back and you kind of got him in a corner. You're like, okay, God, you better step up now because I've been doing my story. It doesn't work that way. It's ridiculous. It's about hearing him in relationship and drawing near and tuning into what the Holy Spirit is saying to your life. Why does it work? I don't think anybody can really tell you why it works. I really don't. I know it's a pathway of obedience and partnership with Jesus that Jesus did. It's a scriptural principle. It's a kingdom of God principle and practice that has been proven to be effective. I know that. Something about joining God in fasting and prayer that sharpens our focus, moves us to a deeper place of intimacy, where we're more open and receptive to his voice and a shaping power in our life, which in turn releases the power to change the world around us somehow. Yes, it is a powerful instrument of spiritual warfare. You see that in scripture. I don't know why. Some reason it squeezes, it puts the squeeze on the realms of darkness. It just squeezes and it works. (laughs) It's just amazing. Let me tell you what Jesus said in Luke chapter. This is interesting. Luke chapter 12. We'll put it up here. It says, Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink. Hmm. Don't have an anxious mind. For all these things, the nations of the world, they're seeking after those things. And your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus said that. He's explaining, what he's saying here is he's emphasizing something, not to be preoccupied by the things that preoccupy the people of this world around us by eating, drinking, consumption. So there's a time where you need to take those things that are not bad and they are necessities for life, but to put them aside so you can really focus in on more what the Lord is doing and saying. Jesus went about talking a lot about the kingdom of God and how we can live in that place. The kingdom of God, is, in essence, is this. It's, there's a new rule that is available to you and I. Man doesn't have to be bound up by the things that tend to dominate this life. That we can enter into another dimension of life right here and now, and it's the kingdom of God pressing down. And we can tap into that in a greater level, a more intimate place. A transformed life that understands that there's more to life than just the physical realities that are all around us that our five senses are always clamoring after. And we can enter the kingdom of God in the sense where there's a, the rule of God happens at a greater level in our own lives. I think we all need that, don't we? Where you understand that when you're approaching life, it's really more about spirit confronting spirit first until everything else comes into alignment. A lot of times we neglect that. Well, I'm just going to slug it out over here. I'm dealing with this. I don't know why this issue. God says, look, seek me. And I will, reveal, I will show you things, great mighty things you know not of. Mysteries start to be solved. And you start to hear things and see things differently and understand that there is a spiritual warfare here. And I need to step it up for breakthrough. 
It's like being ready in season and out. You come to a place of readiness in the spirit in a sense. It's like when the, you enlisted to the military, they're quick to call on you and they need you. It's like Jesus says, I can call on my children because they're, they're tuned in. They're in alignment. And they're hearing me. And they can take authority and begin to move out in these areas. I have a, some things I could say a lot about this, but don't have time. But back to Luke 12, do not seek what you are eating and what to drink. Don't be worried about those things. Occupied. People in the world around us are occupied by these things. Jesus uh, brings this up to remind us that the Father knows your needs. He's, he understands. He's going to care for that. He takes care of us. You can have peace of mind in that. But the objective really in fasting is, is to move us to a place that we cease being occupied with the things that preoccupy the average person. And thereby, we can become more available for the ministry of his kingdom and priorities. Does that make sense? Become more available for what he wants to do. And what he wants to do in your life specifically this year. How he wants to expand his purpose and his ability in your life. How he wants to bless you. Further define that. We can be so consumed by these things around us and dominated and influenced by other things rather than really what this Holy Spirit wants to say to us. Fasting plays a critical role in our relationship with God. Jesus is addressing those who can become preoccupied with the things of this world. Let me tell you this. I don't think that we have gained an appropriate value for food until we understand its power as an instrument of spiritual warfare when we deny ourselves of it. I mean, we really, when you put it in its proper place, that is really powerful because it keeps me from really pressing into what God wants me to press into. That preoccupation can make us unavailable for fasting and prayer. You know, our desire is really to please the Lord, to draw near to Him, to hear His heart. So we have to put an appropriate value on food and anything else that we try to consume our lives. I'm talking a lot about food here because I'm hungry. No, <laughs> no I'll tell you why. It's because a biblical fast is food. It's a, if, if you do a biblical fast, it's going to involve food. Daniel's fast, abstaining from certain types of food or just not going with... It, it just it is. It's, it doesn't say anything about social media and all that stuff, although I, I would encourage you to eliminate a lot of distractions from your life during this time for a few weeks. But it's, it's really food, the necessity. What it is. And it causes us to really zero in on the things that are really important. And in a sense, purifying our minds and our bodies in the sense where we've been to really become the single-mindedness. It's, when I talk about purity, I'm talking about boring in on what is the principal thing. What does God want to do when you're seeking him and asking and calling upon him for his hand to rest upon your life? What is the one thing he wants you to bore into? It's something pure because it's not mixed with other things. It's focusing in and narrowing in on what is really important. I believe God really wants to speak to you about some of these things this month. Let the non-essentials fall away so you can come to that place. And eliminate those things that don't really have any real durable value in our lives. <clears throat> I'm going to give you one more illustration. I might push it here on time, but it's, I believe this is important because when you're, when you're fasting and praying, your taste buds and your stomach is at war with you. Am I right? Isn't there this monster that comes up out of your stomach and says, Feed me! You're like, No! 
there's an element of, we're our own worst enemies when it comes to this. There's an element of war with ourselves. It's self-discipline, bringing our lives into alignment and resetting everything in our hearts and our lives, in a sense. I'll bring it to David and Bathsheba because it's a great illustration. It's a personal war that David lost when he committed adultery. And David tried to get Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, to come home to sleep with his wife so that her pregnancy could be attributed to her husband rather than her adulterous affair with David. Uriah was not going to participate. <clears throat> David tried to get him to join a come and feast, have a banquet. He set it up for him. Uriah refused. He, he not only refused that, he did not spend the night with his wife. He slept on the porch. And Uriah told David, should I go into my house to eat and drink and lie with my wife? He said, no way, not when my brothers are out there fighting the battle that I should be in. Do you know why David's plan failed? Because of Uriah's own self-discipline. And I believe this during times like this when we, we exercise self-discipline when it comes to fasting and prayer, where the enemy's plans against you can be defeated because of that stance you're taking. You believe that? It's powerful. Those things that we've been wrestling with and they have kind of crippled us and we've been fighting with and, we're, and maybe some of you don't even really know what they are, all of a sudden when you enter this place of self-discipline, fasting and prayer, things get clear and you begin to launch out and move in authority and hearing what God wants you to do and you begin to knock those things down, you begin to cripple those things that were trying to cripple you. Makes sense, doesn't it? And this is what you see in the scriptures I mean, as long as the troops were in battle, Uriah was not going to allow himself the luxury of what was justifiably actually he could have. And there's nothing wrong with what was offered him. He just would not indulge himself. What kept him from the indulgence was self-discipline and a commitment to the battle. And there comes a time when, when God calls his church to, to enter a time of deep commitment to the battle of self-discipline and prayer and moving through it. Because we can all get sloppy and indulgent and preoccupied. And there comes a time when we just need to reset things in our life, reset our eating habits, reset our appetites, get everything under control, get spiritually fit and disciplined for the long haul, for the year that's ahead of us. Because God, there's, and discover, where does, where does God want to bless me? Where does he want to enlarge his purpose in my life? I need to hear from that. Uriah, it was believed that he must stand in the rank with his brothers in arms, even if it was from a distance. It's a commitment to discipline that marked Uriah. Matter of fact, in the scriptures, he was one of David's 37 mighty men. So it's a, it's a challenge, it is. It's a challenge for all of us to refocus and to reset. And awaken <clears throat> your senses to the Lord's priorities. What is Jesus preoccupied with? I want to be preoccupied with that. That's what I want. And through that process, you become keenly aware, in a lot of sense, of your own need. Of your own need where you do need to be blessed. Where God does need to put his hand and enlarge his purpose in you. And expand. And your appetite for Jesus, I hope and pray, will increase. And as we sang, revive us, O God, that you would experience personal revival. 
Psalm 36 and 39 says, I humble my soul with fasting. It means to put myself down. Put myself down in that place. And to have, you know, it's a, it's a place where we, I'm not talking about a, self, a snobbish righteousness or a self-flagellation or anything like that. I'm simply talking about taking dominion over yourself in areas of your life. Proverbs 16.32 says, Better is he that rules his spirit than he that takes a city. Right? And there's something about fasting that brings us into that dominion over self once again. Every area of our life. Well, <clears throat> hmm, I'm going to have to skip a bunch of stuff, but I think we all want to be governed by the Holy Spirit more than the things of this world. Let me throw out some scriptures that you can join with your, the scripture that we're talking about, the prayer, prayer of Jabez. Marry these together. I think they can help you. Romans 14, 17, you can meditate on these. For the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5, and 6. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit for the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Psalms 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Feast on Jesus and what he has for you. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. The enlargement of what God wants to do in your life, the blessings and the overflowing. Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. They shall be enlarged. They shall be blessed. Fill your... No, don't fill your stomachs. Fill your spirit. Look. 12, there's a preoccupation with food and clothes and what we need to eat and drink. And he says there's a different value system than this world that he wants us to really press into. Now, for the world, they might say, fasting, yeah, that's good for the waistline. Well, for us, it's more about being spiritually fit and focused in and boring in on what God wants for us during this season and being preoccupied with what Jesus is preoccupied with. Look, the Lord never invites us to anything of discipline. We'll put this up there. That doesn't include a rich reward and promise with it. It's part of the prayer of Jabez. There's rich reward and there's promise as we enter in. What God wants to do. All the worship team come out. <clears throat> the, uh, I discovered that eagles mate in the air. Did you know that? You're like, that's kind of a weird way to end this message. I just had a little, you know, I just learned something this week. I want to share it. No. Um, <clears throat> no, we, we, look, it's a, picture of, it's a picture of intimacy. And Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Fasting and prayer, waiting on him, right? They shall mount up wings of eagles, and they shall run and not go weary. They shall walk and not faint. Look, here's the deal. Jesus came down so that we could go up. And he wants us to come, come to this time and fasting and prayer and go up with him. Go up. The Bible says you're seated with him in heavenly places. Right? That, that he has called you to that place of intimacy, of a, a deeper place in him. And, and he, he, he longs for you to be there with him. And this is a, an avenue that he's given us. And as you begin to pray through and meditate on the prayer of Jabez, say, God, what does this blessing look like in my life? 
How do you want to enlarge your purpose in and through me? Lord, what my destiny, God, maybe you've struggled. Let me clear. This room is full of people that came out of really rough stuff. You can't be defined by that anymore. And God, it's time for maybe God to change your destiny and you to take him seriously about that as you take steps forward this year. Say, God, this is going to look different. It can't be the same old, same old. Business as usual. Lord, things have got to change. And I am pressing in for your blessing and for my destiny to look different in 2023. Amen? Let's stand together. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we're so grateful for your great, such a great salvation and all the benefits that are ours through the cross. And Lord, some of us, Lord, we have stood on the sidelines and not received those benefits fully. We've placed ourselves outside. We've disqualified ourselves or felt unworthy or whatever it may be. But Lord, your word is very clear. You've called us to ask and to seek and to knock and to call upon you to ask for your blessing and your enablement. We hunger for that divine enablement. But God, through this season, as fasting and prayer, take us to a deeper place in you. God, I want to hear you like I've never heard you before. Define your blessing and what you want to do in my life in the days ahead. Lord, I'm, I would say, speak, your servant is listening. God, that we would know your way and your will. Jesus, we want to please you. We want to honor you but we want to draw near. And your word says, if we do that, you're going to draw near to us. We claim and stand on your divine, wonderful, good promises. End this journey in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts and to discover how you can connect, visit us at churchak.org or download our Church on the Rock AK app from either iTunes or Google Play.